Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. The title of my message this morning is God is Faithful. God is Faithful. And this is a follow-up to my message that I shared on Sunday, August 2nd, called Mountain Moving Faith. And uh, there's been an underlying theme here, and I scribbled a few things down. My wife takes amazing notes. If you were to look in that notebook that she's got right there in her hand, uh, I'm terrible at note-taking. That's why I felt good to just get out of high school and in one piece and and barely make it through a couple years of community college kind of thing, you know. But So she takes amazing notes. So I was thumbing through her notebook. And I thought, honey, there seems to be this underlying theme in the month of August for People's Church. We started the month talking about mountain-moving faith. And we used David and Goliath, basically David, as our example. We talked about that. August 9th comes along and Charlie McLaren comes to town. And Charlie tags one on the end of it. And he talks about no fear needed. And he also confirmed in the course of that message, one thing, we can't live in fear. There's no reason to live in fear, but what replaces that fear is faith. Amen? August 16th comes along and pastor schools us on how to deal with crispy people. Crispy people. I thought that was amazing. And we all know after it was all said and done that it takes a lot of faith to walk and live around crispy people. Well, one of the two. One... One of the two, but we we got a good lesson that day. Then last Sunday, the 23rd, Vernon comes up here and he starts talking about keep walking forward by faith. Now, I've been sitting under this man's ministry for the last three years, and I tell you, last Sunday was his finest hour. He absolutely stepped up and hit a grand slam with the word as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't get enough amens and yeah, go brother kind of thing cheering him on in there without interrupting him he just did a phenomenal job and I already knew what direction I was going today so he talked about faith and today again we're going to talk about faith so if you have your Bible or your mobile device whatever turn to Psalm 46 having no idea because I'm off the hook and it's back to you brother you know I know that you will hear from God between now and then I I, no doubt in my mind But don't feel like you have to go with the faith theme. I think we covered it pretty good in five Sundays. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, yes, this is a follow-up to Mountain Moving Faith. And tagging right along with the theme of faith, period. We'll talk about God, how God is faithful today. But let me start that by sharing this little story. A small congregation in the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains built a new sanctuary on a piece of land that had been willed to them by a church member. Ten days before the new church was to open, the local building inspector informed them that the parking lot was too small for the size of the building. 
The inspector told the pastor that the church doubled the size, that until the church doubled the size of the parking lot, they would not be able to use the new sanctuary. Unfortunately, the church had used every inch of their land for the new sanctuary, every inch that is except for the mountain against which the new sanctuary had been built. In order to build more parking spaces, they would literally have to move the mountain out of their backyard. Well, the pastor was undaunted by the challenge. The next Sunday morning, he got up and announced that they would meet that evening with all the members who had mountain-moving faith. He said that they would hold a prayer meeting and ask God to remove the mountain from the backyard. They would also pray that somehow God would provide enough money to have it paved and painted before the scheduled opening dedication service the following Sunday. At the appointed time, 24 of the congregation's 300 members assembled for prayer. They prayed for nearly three hours. At 10 o'clock in the evening, the pastor said the final amen. And the pastor announced, we will open next Sunday as scheduled. God has never let us down before, and I believe he will be faithful to us this time as well. The next morning, as the pastor was working in his study, there came a loud knock at his door. A rough-looking construction foreman appeared at the door, and he said, Excuse me, Reverend, I'm from Acme Construction Company. We're building a new shopping mall over here in the next county, and we need some fill dirt. Would you be willing to sell us a chunk of that mountain behind the church? The foreman went on to say, we will pay you for the dirt we remove and pave all of the exposed area free of charge, if we can have it right away. Now, we can't do anything else on our project until we get the dirt. What do you say? What a dilemma. Well, needless to say, that little church was dedicated the next Sunday as originally planned. God is faithful, amen? Now here's the thought. Wouldn't it be nice if all of life's needs were met just like that? That quickly, that positively, and that soon, right after we said that prayer, amen? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But unfortunately, as we grow older, we understand that life can be a little unfair. It can be sometimes brutal. It can be, you know, it can throw us a curveball. We got to learn to hit the curveball, amen? But there is hope, all is not lost, okay? So don't go to sleep on me yet, okay? Say, well, what is our hope, Mike, when the world seems to be going to hell in a handbasket? Because if you look at the world around us right now, it's not really in good shape. It's not a very promising, bright future. But here's our hope. God is continually faithful through all of life's problems. I guarantee it. His word declares it. We're going to look at that in just a moment. When everything else in life fails us, and everybody else, else in life fails us, God will not. When everything else in the world crashes in around us, God will hold us up. When nothing else makes sense in life, God makes perfect sense. How many of you ever walked through anything like that where you had no idea what was going to happen at the end of this chapter, so to speak, and God came through and just blew your socks off with his miracle-working power in your life. Amen? You know, the world often tells us we should pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Yeah. Be a man. Live with it. Don't cry. The world tells us that we have the answers all built inside of us already, so, you know, what would we need God for? Anything we need, oh, we can find it ourselves. 
Don't believe them. The world says, listen, don't trust anybody. Don't rely on anybody. Don't put your hope in anybody. Because if you do, you're only setting yourself up for complete disappointment. That's what the world thinks. That's kind of their mentality. Now let's look over at our scripture passage today in Psalms 46 and see what God's word has about it. And I've got two or three points to give you that will tie all this together. God is our refuge, uh, beginning in verse 1, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, Selah. Anybody know what Selah means? Uh-huh. Pause in his presence. That, I like, that's what the Passion Translation says. Pause in his presence. When everything around you is going crazy, pause in his presence. Pick it up at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms will fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I love that. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Amen? Amen. So if you're taking notes today, number one, God is faithful through his protection over us. God is faithful through his protection over us. Pastor just prayed for a hedge of protection around all of us, our family members, our homes, everybody concerned in our world for this wretched thing called COVID-19. And the psalmist just told us, God is our refuge in times of trouble when we're overwhelmed. Anybody ever been overwhelmed? When we are gripped with fear, when we are gripped with fear, when we're hurting, God is still there. To protect us, God doesn't change. Look at verse 2 again. Therefore we will not fear, that's a big knot, N-O-T, big bold letters, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea. The writer here is describing probably the worst calamity that he could possibly think up or maybe something he had seen, but he's talking about earthquakes, volcanoes erupting, and mountains sliding into the sea. In other words, modern day terms, he's just talking about the 6 o'clock news. Okay? How many of you still watch the 6 o'clock news? You know, I try to turn it off, and then I get really curious. It gets the best of me. So I I make it a little earlier. I watch the 5 o'clock news, and hopefully they leave out a few things. But then I'm a glutton for punishment. I always go back and watch it at 11 o'clock before I go to bed. It's like, man, that's a dumb thing to do. But that's what the writer, the psalmist, was saying. But notice in this Psalm 46 how strong... His face, his face, not his face, his faith, the word that we're talking about all month in the month of August. Notice how strong his faith was in the face of adversity. The writer understood and he knew that God's people really have no reason to fear. 
don't have to walk in fear. Sometimes we choose to, but we don't have to. He knew that even, even physical disasters, that God would be there and that God would not fail him. He had a good grasp of that. And here, let me throw a little sidebar in here. When God works in our lives, sometimes God chooses to work through friends and through family. Can you believe that? Some of you have probably have family and think, nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, sometimes God works through the church. People in the church who love you, support you, and pray for you, and help you along life's way, so to speak, God chooses to work through that group of people. Sometimes God works through just what I call real-life miracles. He does a miracle on our behalf, and we might have prayed for relief in that area or whatever, but we probably didn't expect God to do it the way he decided to do it, right? It's because he's God. I love that about him. However he, my point is, however he chooses to work, he always works. He always works. We might not even see it, but he's always working on our behalf. I love the fact that pastor almost preached my, this part of my message right here. Job 1 and 10 says, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Now, in context, I talked about this a few months ago about praying a hedge of protection around your family and, and guardian angels around your home and your stuff. And I do that every night. I do that every night. In this sense of the word, uh, in this instance, Satan was having a conversation with God. Satan wanted to take a shot at Job. And, and he tells God, I, I can't do anything about it right now because you have this hedge of protection around this guy. And this guy is blessed beyond wildest, anybody's wildest dreams. I love that. I love that about God. Psalm 37 and 25 says this, I was young and now I am old. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. There's another P word that could go right along with protection and that is provision. God is protecting us from the devourer, the Bible says, when he provides us with provision and I love using that Psalm 37, 25, sometimes when I'm taking an offering. Because it just speaks to me. And I've seen it in my own life where God comes along and we might be like the little widow, the little, the little gal in the Bible. I don't know if she was a widow or not. Yeah, I guess she was. And she only had a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil left. And the man of God says, well, make me a meal. Make me some food. But I don't have enough. You don't understand. I make you one pancake. We're out of business here, dude. We're, we're just going to basically... Chalk it up and, and, and starve. It's not God's way. Amen? He's never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. That is God's provision. Number two today, God is faithful through his presence with us. God is faithful through his presence with us. Look at verse 4 again. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, if you've ever looked at a, one of those maps in the back of your Bible, you will understand that Jerusalem did not have a river that ran through it, okay? Like the other major cities of that day. Babylon was built on the Euphrates River. Egypt was built alongside the Nile River. Rome had the Tiber River. Jerusalem 
got no river, okay? But yet the word is talking about that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So God is not confused. He didn't write a boo-boo into the word, okay? They didn't have the physical river, but they had the best river possible, and that is the very presence of God Almighty, amen? If you think about the, the, this trip that the children of Israel took, okay, in the Old Testament... Back in the book of Exodus, it tells the story how God led the children of Israel with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now that story is fun to tell in Sunday school. Put the little flannel thingy on the board there. Put the little images on the flannel board for the kids and everybody cheers and goes, yay God. But if you think about what God did for the children of Israel and all of that, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was trying to keep traffic straightened around for three and a half million people walking around the backside of the desert. And this was God's way of doing it. And here's what I want you to understand about that whole process. These people could physically see that God's presence was with them. I don't know about you, but I don't think I wanted, would want to live back in that time. I'm too comfy with my convenient, you know, modern conveniences, air conditioner in my truck, that kind of thing. But Nonetheless, these folks understood what it, was to, what it was to be in God's presence because he was being faithful to them in a time of their hardship. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the second part says, tells us that one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. We sing about it every Christmas season so we as Christ's followers have God with us all the time. 24-7, 365 days a year, God is with us. God's presence in our lives is that big, broad shoulder that we can lean on when we feel like life is going to fall apart. Amen? Number three today, God is faithful through His position over the earth. God is faithful through His position over the earth. If we look back at verse 8 and 9, in those two verses, the psalmist depicted a scene of terrible destruction. Things were coming unraveled at the seams. And if you've, if you've ever read and tracked the history of the children of Israel, sadly, they would go through these seasons where they felt like, oh, we're pretty strong here. We can pretty much handle anything God throws at us, right? Yeah, we're, we're good with that. Let's go build a golden calf somewhere and see what happens kind of thing. Sometimes they didn't have a brain cell work, and I'm thoroughly convinced of it. And sometimes, sometimes the leaders became doormats, and the people just walked right over the top of them. It was really sad. But the, the, the results of those ways, those sins in their lives, the, the trying to prove God wrong kind of thing, I don't know what you want to call it, the people would lose. That's the, unex, that's the expected outcome of their disobedience is they would lose the, they'd lose a bet with God, basically what it came down to and you would think with all that they'd been through that they should have known better that they'd have a better idea on how to approach God so rather than fight against God I don't want to be ever accused of that the writer here told him that he told them and he told us in the same passage be still be still know that I am God be still and know that I am God so literally he was speaking to us as modern-day believers Cease striving against God and instead proclaim Him as the Lord of the earth. Proclaim Him as the Lord of the earth. Now here's something you have to understand about God. 
God has all the power. God has all the power. We may think we're pretty strong in our own right, but the bottom line is, is God hold, is, has all the power. He holds all the cards, doesn't he? Don't you think? His purpose cannot suffer defeat. He will always have the last word. His kingdom will come whether we like it or not. My admonition to you is get on the ball or get on the bus. Okay? His kingdom will come and his will shall be done in the earth. Amen? Everybody said amen. amen. Genesis chapter 1 says God created the heavens and the earth. And because God is the creator of all things on the earth, I would say that God has the right to be the only one exalted in the earth. Amen? God's the only one that should get the glory. In fact, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, tells us that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want you worshiping anybody else or anything else. He only wants your worship to go one direction, and that's toward Him. Amen? But when we don't exalt God, what happens? Problems always come up. Problems always come up. When we don't trust God, we become dependent on self. That's a real problem right there. We become dependent on self, and we kind of rely on our own strength, don't we? And then God comes along after we've been beating our head on a brick wall, and we're all bloody, and we've got the marks to prove it. God says, why don't you lean on me? I almost titled this message today, Lean on me when you're not strong. Then I could have broke out in the Bill Withers tune, you know? But God comes along after we've kind of proved how our stupidity can run rampant. And he says, why don't you lean on my shoulders? Trust me when life doesn't make sense to you. Trust me when life crashes in around you. Trust me when life doesn't seem to be worth living. I think we've all been to that precipice, so to speak, and we've stood there looking over the edge at the abyss, and we wondered, where's God? Where's God? God says, hey, trust me, I'm here. If you fall, I'll catch you. If you think you're going to jump, I think I'll just hold your hand instead. How's that? Amen? Let me share another little story with you about trust. Brenda wanted to learn how to rock climb. Her friends all did it, and she thought it looked like so much fun. But there was a problem. Brenda was scared to death of heights. In spite of her fear, Brenda still went rock climbing with a group of friends to see what it would be like. Brenda put on all the gear. She grabbed the rope and started up the face of the rock. She finally got to the ledge halfway up the rock where she could take a breather. And as she was hanging on for dear life, the person who was holding the rope at the top of the cliff made a mistake and snapped the rope back against Brenda's eye. And the force of the rope knocked out a contact lens. Uh-oh, is right. So there she was, hanging on the rock ledge. Who knows how many feet of, hundreds of feet were below her, or how many hundreds of feet were above her. She looked on the ledge, just hoping that she'd be able to find that contact lens. Her sight was now very blurry. She was upset by the fact that she was nowhere near a place where she could get a new contact lens. So she prayed that God would help her find it, but she didn't find it. After a breather, she started back up the mountain. Her last hope was that when she got to the top of the cliff, one of her friends that had made it to the top might be able to find her contact lens in the corner of her eye. When she got to the top, a friend examined her eye. There was no contact lens to be found. She sat down with her friends and waited for the rest of them to come up the cliff. 
And as she waited, she thought to herself, Lord, you can see all these mountains. You know every single stone and leaf that's on these mountains. And God, you know exactly where my contact lens is. Please help me find it. Unfortunately, none of her friends had seen her contact lens. Finally, the time came to go down the mountain. She and her friends walked slowly down the trail to the bottom of the hill. And just as they got to the bottom, another group of rock climbers were coming along. And one of them said, hey, did any of you lose a contact lens? Brenda jumps up and said, yes, I did, but how did you know? Well, the climber had been behind Brenda's group. As he came to the ledge where she had been resting, the climber saw the strangest thing. He saw a little ant carrying a contact lens as it was moving slowly across the rocks. What do you think that ant was thinking about that time? Well, Lord, I don't know why you want me to carry this thing. I can't eat it, and it's awfully heavy. But if this is what you want me to do, I'll carry it for you. Huh? So if God can instruct an ant to pick up a contact lens and hang on to it until somebody needs it again, don't you think God cares about you? That's how much God cares about us. Every little detail in our lives, and sometimes we don't give him that kind of credit, but God is faithful, amen? My encouraging word to you is stop worrying. Stop worrying for God's sake. Anybody remember the 80% rule that I talked about just a few weeks ago? The 80% rule? That is this. 80% of what we worry about never comes to pass. We spend too much time, too much energy, too much effort, too many sleepless nights. It's funny, I'll have a sleepless night every once in a while. I sleep pretty good, but I just ask my wife. I lay my head on the pillow, and two minutes later, I'm gone. But it's the middle of the night that bothers me the worst. Three o'clock in the morning, I hate that time of day. I hate to wake up then. But I'll worry about things, and then I'll catch myself thinking about this portion of Scripture and this part of my life to say, you know what? I'm worrying about things that chances are will never happen. Just roll over and go back to sleep, Michael. Come on now. So 80% of what we worry about never comes to pass. So let me encourage you today. Put aside the fear. Put aside that feeling of despair. Put aside anxiety. That's a terrible word. Like being on pins and needles. And embrace just how much God loves you. Amen? Verse 10 in our text, but moving over to the Passion Translation, says it this way. Surrender your anxiety, be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations. You know what I love about God? He's large and in charge. God is not intimidated by anything in our lives. He will not back down from anything in our world. He will show himself faithful. Amen? Amen. God loves us so much that he allowed Jesus to be crucified on a cross between two thieves. And then we celebrated it this morning. And then to be buried in a borrowed tomb. God loves us so much that one day he will send Jesus back for us. And take us to our home in heaven. And my prayer is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you, but if that happened Monday morning, I'd be tickled pink. If, if Jesus came back, split the skies on that big white horse, the trumpet sounded, and we were out of here, I'm ready for that. I am so ready for that. It's not that I don't love my life. It's not that I don't love my wife and my girls and my family. 
in this church family. It's just that, yeah, I'm pretty much ready to go. I'm 62 years old. I've had a good life. If I didn't make it to my 63rd birthday, I wouldn't be offended. I'd love to go to heaven. Not looking to, like, drop dead right here and now, but I'd love to go to heaven. Amen? Anybody over the age of 60 will tell you, yep, yep, I'm ready to go. Thank you very much. Another, one more scripture before we finish it up today. Isaiah chapter 40 says this, 28 and 29. Do you not know, have you not heard, that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. You know, you might be here today, and you're feeling kind of weary. Life's kind of kicked your behind lately, okay? You might have fallen down and got a black eye. Huh? I saw that on Facebook, and I went, oh, my goodness, poor Beth. she got a shiner going on over there. And yeah, You look like you're doing good today. You even had, even had the heart to sing. That's awesome. But we feel, sometimes we feel weary. Sometimes we feel weak. That little scripture reminds us that God is here to give us power over it. Amen? So my encouragement to you today, before we see the little video that we're going to see, lean in and lean on him. Amen? God has great big shoulders. I remember singing a song in Sunday school as a kid. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. And I just pictured God sitting on his throne, cupping his hands like this, holding, holding the earth. You know that moonshot that we see from way out there? And there's the earth with all the swirly stuff in the water. I just picture God holding Mother Earth in his hands and say, Hey, guys, don't worry about it. I got you. I got you. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you today before we go. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise of your word in our lives, Lord. We want to learn to walk in your protection, in your provision, in your presence. Thank you for that, Father God. We are grateful today that you are a faithful God, that you love us, that you'll go to bat for us, that you'll take care of us, that you'll head things off at the, pa off at the pass that are coming our way, that you don't need, that you see that doesn't need to be in our world and in our lives. We are so grateful for that today. I pray your hand of blessing a hedge of protection around each and every person that's here today, each and every family member of theirs, each and every person that's in their world, their circle of influence. Father, I just pray a hedge of protection and those guardian angels that your word talks about in their lives. Thank you for this group of people, Lord, that love you, that honor you. Pray your hand of blessing on them, and we give you all the thanks in Jesus' name.